welcome everybody to the Future Belongs to Creators podcast. This is a show about being a creator, about the creator economy, and I am one of your co-hosts, Charlie. I'm joined by my lovely friends, Haley and Miguel. How are you doing today, folks? Hey, you're doing good. Doing good, doing good. It's, you know, the holiday season, right? So always- mm-hmm. bi- We're getting there. We're getting there. So it's it feels busy, busy. It does. It feels very busy. And Miguel and I were talking before the show and I told him to like stop talking and save it for the show actually. But the, this <laughs> is the time of year where, I don't know, I I love the end of the year. I love the start of a new year and I feel so much like energy towards, okay, what can I, what do I want to bring in to the new year with me? What intentions do I want to have? What do I want to do next year? It just feels like a fresh start, like a fresh page. You know, these days I'll take all the hope that I can get where I can get it from. So bring on the new year. Um, Miguel, do you want to share what you were saying about that? Because I know I'm not alone in this feeling. (laughs) Yeah. um, So as we talked about on the show before, I used to be a school teacher. And one of the things that I miss most about that job is that there was a mental and physical end to like mm. your job every year. Like there was the beginning of the year. There's there were, in the US here, it's four semesters and then it's over and then summer and then reset and then it's, you start again. And there's something about that mental sort of like beginning, middle and end to your work that I always really, really enjoyed. And I didn't realize how much I liked it until after I didn't have it anymore, because then life can kind of seem like a little hamster wheel if you don't take those moments to kind of like pause, reflect, iterate, change. And the end of the year is like one of those few times where I feel like we're given that. Like because of the holidays, we have some extra time off of work. There's a new year. It's a new quarter. It's, you know, everybody's kind of like in that same mindset of like, let's do something different for 2022 or whatever year it happens to be. So I would say lean into that and do the work at the end of this year to set yourself up for success next year. Um, So you just don't show up on Monday, January 3rd and go, uh... Oh, crap. What, what was I, I going to do? <laughs> like now yeah. I start planning. Yeah, let's let's do the planning yeah. in advance. Um, and this is kind of what we're talking about today. Today is going to be our reflection of what we learned as creators in 2021, what we want to bring into the new year, maybe some things we learned this year the hard way as well. And for anyone listening live, please share your own insights in the chat. We'd love to hear what you've learned this year as as creators, um, whether it was a positive experience or like a, you know, a necessary learning that you had. Share it, tell us about it, and we can um, bring it up on stream. But let's start by talking about the good stuff, huh? Um, I want to know from each of you, what are some of your favorite things that you've learned as creators this year? One of the things that went really well is that this year I decided to take on more projects with my woodworking. My biggest project this year was I built out a friend's uh, barbershop. And uh, it's been a really cool experience uh, to not only get to do that, um, but also be creative in that way and kind of see the feedback from my hard work Hmm. uh, in several different ways. Because since he's a physical location, I can go on the Google reviews and see all the people that are like, I love the way this shop looks like all of the woodworking and stuff is like so amazing. It's so uh, unique. There's nothing else like it in the area. And just like, that's just like such a good feeling and such nice feedback to get. And that's because I like decided to kind of push myself and, you know, chew up a, a lot of weekends and time that I normally would have for myself and dive into a project. And I'm really glad that I did it. And I learned a lot about building stuff. I learned a lot about doing things on the side, a lot about balancing my main job and another job, and also how to balance my 
personal life and the expectations that come with having a partner. And so, yeah, that's, it's been really cool for that. And um, I'm looking forward to like kind of stepping up that part of my life in the next year. So, yeah. That's awesome. How about you, Haley? This is going to sound maybe a little too clinical, I guess, um, but it's super true for me. I think that one of the biggest lessons that I learned this year is that being prepared allows my brain way more room for creativity. Mm-hmm. And um, I found that for me, as I was producing all of our creator session episodes, there's so much logistics that go into it that by the time we got to the place where we got to be creative, that I was like spent you know, I was like done and I was kind of spent a little bit. And then I would lean on Henry, my teammate for, um, who does a lot of the filming. I would lean on Henry to fulfill like the creative portion. And that's very different from like my natural name. Normally I feel like I lean more creative in my personal life. Right. And then I like, I'm like, Ooh, logistics later. Um, but I can't necessarily do that with work. And so, um, just being more prepared this year has really helped me lean into, um, being more creative and getting out what is in my head actually out on on film. Um, and then the other thing that I learned this year, which I don't know if I say I learned, but it was it's more that like I am inspired when I'm consistently creative. So I started retaking up. So we've acquired all this awesome you know, great equipment to produce creator sessions. Like early pandemic, we were filming, we were having them filmed remotely and or a creator in that, another, you know, filmmaker in that creator city would film the episodes. Whereas now we're traveling virtually to all of them and we're creating them. And we've got all this great equipment and I'm like, hey, I should relearn how to do photography. And I Hmm. knew it because I took, I took a photography and when I took some community college courses when I was in high school, And I was actually pretty good at it. I have like, you know, I did film, processed all the film, did all the things, you know, but just like life didn't take me down that path. And so this year I got really re-inspired because I started working on this. I'm going down a path here. Sorry, friends. It's a long story, but I got really re-inspired because I'm working on this project for my grandparents, which is like their beginning life to their end life. Right. So, and my family, I have photos, I mean, hundreds of photos of both my grandparents when they were basically babies to toddlers all the way up until, you know, today, like my grandpa has had a camera with him everywhere he went for as long as I've known him and all my mom's childhood. And so I've been going through all these slides. I got this like, re-inspired passion about photography. And it is really translated a lot into the work that I think that I'm doing because I'm able to better articulate things. I know our equipment better. I'm not leaning on Henry. And so it's basically just that creativity fuels creativity. Um, And I think that that's like, you know, if I'm bringing it back full circle, that's the lesson that I learned is that creativity fuels creativity. And um, I've been really inspired by, by that and by like my family's past this year. So. I love that you were, you're talking about uh, like, side creative pursuit that is actually also feeding into your work because I feel like that's similar to mine uh this year I feel like I I am merging more than ever my side hustle with my full-time job which has been really fun to like do challenging at times to like find where that balance is but I think how I've grown most honestly this year as as a creator as a designer as a creative director as well has been through my interview series inside marketing design where I've been getting on calls with basically the people in my equivalent role at other tech companies and learning how they're doing it. 
Like, maybe this is a thing that I could have done without recording it and producing it as an interview show. Like, maybe these people would have gotten on a call with me and just given me all their knowledge. But I think it was more likely that they would say yes to it because I was, like, promoting them as well, right? And, like, raising them up, giving them a platform on my audience. And in return, I'm getting all this education, which I'm also recording and then sharing with my audience. But from a purely selfish level, I've learned so much from my guests that I've had on my podcast that I've been like then applying into my work. And I just think that that's really cool that being a creator has allowed me access to those people, you know, like all the work that I've put into building up my own reputation as a creator, as a designer is paying off because now I can just be like, I want to talk to someone who works at this famous company. And somehow I managed to get connected to them. Uh, So that's something that I'm really proud of. And I learned a lot from the experience of. That's awesome. Should we share some of the things that our listeners have shared in the chat about what they've learned this year? Yeah. Let's dive in. So Alejandro says that I learned I needed to shut down my 10-year art business so I could relaunch with a fresh start. So I guess I learned I need to let go of the things that weren't enriching my life. Um, Wow. Like props to you, Alejandro. I have shut down a 10-year business in the past, my t-shirt company that I used to run. And I know from experience that that is not an easy thing to do to like let something go that you've been focusing on for a while. But yeah, you're right. If it's not enriching your life and you want to start fresh, do it. That's awesome. I can't imagine how, how that must feel, you know? I also learned that sometimes walking away from good things is actually a good thing. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about that a little bit, but I took um, took like a major step back from my side hustle, Happy Happy Houseplant this last year. Uh, and it allowed me to reprioritize like things like my family. And that just reminded me of it, right? It was, it. I, w- I don't want to say that it wasn't enriching my life. It, there were moments of it that were, but it was more stress than it was, even though it's wildly successful, you know, and, and my partner Mandy just has like taken it and flown with it, but it was something that just wasn't serving me um, wasn't serving me well. And that that's always, it's a, that was a hard lesson, but it was a yeah. necessary lesson that I needed to learn. Well, this is another thing that I wanted to ask you both. So maybe you've just answered it, Haley, in that like we've, we've talked about the positive things we learned, but sometimes we learn things from things maybe not going so well. And I remember at the time talking to you about that and it like, it wasn't an easy decision for you, right? To walk away from that. And I know it, no. at the beginning you were like, oh, have I made the right choice? Like now it's doing so well, should I still be yeah. involved? I still question it. And honestly, a lot of times I question it from a monetary perspective, which is when I know that I made the right decision because yeah. I'm questioning it like from a money thing. And I've never necessarily been driven by money. I've always been fueled by passion. And trust me, I fucking love house plants. Like I love plants. <laughs> so like it's not a lack of passion, but it was more that it was just causing more stress. And yeah. um, and it wasn't allowing me. It, it was mostly a, it was a family decision. Ultimately is really what it was, is that it wasn't serving my family in the way that it needed to. And my, my husband and my kids were suffering because of lack of my, like my lack of availability. And so that was, yeah, that was not easy, but I still look back at that, look back at that. And I was like, that was a hard, really hard, really important lesson um, that I needed to learn. I think the other thing that made it so hard, and I wrote actually a base camp post about this publicly at work because side hustles are so both encouraged and lifted up at ConvertKit, right? That I felt ashamed of letting go of this side hustle mm. that was really successful. And it felt like it was it was a conflict for me mentally um, to like walk away from it because I felt like then I wouldn't have this like chip on my shoulder that I was one of the ConvertKitians that had a really successful side hustle. Mm-hmm. 
And so that was a hard, that was a hard thing for me to walk away because I felt like I would have been more respected if I stayed. But ultimately I realized that for my mental health and my family's mental health that I needed to walk away and that it ended up being the right decision. And also that was my perception. That wasn't the reality of what was happening. Exactly. Right. Like yeah. that's not actually the convert kit culture. That's just to be clear here that it was more that I was anxious about that because I wanted to be seen and viewed a certain way and not because that was the reality of what was going on. And that's a great example of how we put massive amounts of pressure on ourselves um, as people, as creators, as entrepreneurs. And um, yeah. And that actually touches on what Chris said in the chat here, which is that he said that he learned that he can't do everything and that he needs to focus on doing less and putting 100% into what what he does, um, which is exactly it. I mean, it's a matter of there's finite resources mentally or otherwise. It's like uh, our friend Ron Swanson says, you know, <laughs> what does he say? He says, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass whole one thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I so, feel like every single freaking year I have to learn not to overcommit myself because I do it so often. Mm. I just find it so easy to get excited about something and say yes to something. I think 2021 is the year I've done the best job of not overcommitting. Um, but I still did it many a time in taking Do you find yourself overcommitting mostly at work at ConvertKit or do you find yourself committing in your side hustle more? I mean, I know it's a balance between the two, but. I'm thinking of it in the side hustle side of things in that I end up getting excited about an external opportunity that I'm like, oh, I should take this on. Like this company wants to work with me or this person wants to get on a call with me or whatever, instead of putting my time into the thing that I know I really want to do. Like Alejandro is talking about with um, the yeah. art business. Yeah. yeah. While we're on the hard lessons though, since we touched on Haley's, Miguel, is there anything that you had to learn the hard way this year? Yeah, it, part of it was the the overcommitting mm-hmm. um, that we talked about, um, I did I did I while I do feel really fortunate and happy that I decided to build out that barbershop, I did learn that it was a challenge for me to you know successfully navigate being committed to that and the fact that that person had a hard deadline and when they wanted to open the shop and that there's financial constraints that mm. they're counting on me to deliver on and also. Um, the time commitment that that took from my life and the things that my life uh, requires of me. And I'm not saying that like, you know, I had, you know, a hard time with my partner or anything that she understood and we talked about it and it wasn't just like a, oh, by the way, I decided to build out a barbershop. Hope you're cool with that. (laughs) Like it was, she was very much a part of that. And and I told her that it might take a long time and, you know, it's going to chew up my weekends and my free time and whatever. But at the end of the day, what I feel like I should have done better is communicate what, have better communication with the person, with my client, with the Mm -hmm. person I was building it for about like what my time commitment, what sort of time I can put into it and where the time is cut off because we could have been clearer about deadlines. We could have been clearer about a, a few things. And there was a few things that got down to the wire and it was a little uncomfortable and I would have preferred it not to. So the next time I want to be a lot more purposeful about like, okay, when do you need this by? This is how much I can give you every week. This is how much I think. Uh, and also that's another thing too, scoping out how much I think it's going to take me because I didn't have a frame of reference. So I was just like, yeah, true. Uh, yeah it's a month from now. <laughs> I should definitely be able to build this in a month. Uh, and then, you know, I did, but you know, it got down to the wire and, um, 
Yeah, so just setting clear expectations with your client and what you're able to deliver when you're able to deliver it. And also what really kind of bailed me out in the end is the fact that my partner and the people who count on me for things were fully in the know about what I was going to do, what I was Mm going to commit. And so that way it didn't end up being like I had to sort of like play it down on two ends. Like I had to have the conversation with my client and then turn around and with my partner be like, hey, um, I know we haven't talked about this much, but also you're not going to see me this weekend. Sorry. You know, so. Yeah, you weren't having to like manage expectations on both sides because you'd already done good work on the like family partner side. Yeah. Um, so it was just yeah. Communicate fun. clearly, clearly with all stakeholders is what I boil it down to. <laughs> yeah, I have another one. I thought of another good one. Go for it. Um, I learned that I need a hobby, and I need like I really need a hobby um, for my mental health. And I do not categorize like working out as a hobby because working out is like a necessity in order to like maintain a healthy lifestyle. Hey, you don't have to convince me. I don't count it as a hobby either. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, a lot of people are like, so I guess more more or less, it's like I need time alone with just myself and some like working out oftentimes as working parents, oftentimes people would categorize working out as that time alone and time away. Um, and that I, I don't think that that should be the case unless it unless it has to be the case. Right. But I needed a hobby. And this year I retook up. Um, I grew up horseback riding. I grew up riding. I owned a horse when I was in college. And this year I got my kids back into it. But I also took lessons again. And that was like really wonderful for just really great for me. I really needed like my own time to go out and do something and kind of relearn something and do something that was um where nobody had an expectation of me, you know, except for the myself and the horse. And, the horse, and yeah. it was just, yeah, myself and the horse. And that was, that was really fun. That was really fun for me. So I, I needed that. And, um, that was another thing that I learned is that sometimes your life can't be so consumed by, cause even as I was talking about photography, like that being a hobby that I was enjoying, it also was still very, very connected to work, yeah. right. Where horseback riding yeah. was, is truly like, totally disconnected uh totally totally unless you want to set that horse up with the newsletter you know (laughs) that's true that's true i did i would i did bring the camera with me i took i got some really really great equine photography uh this year though Um, and i took the camera with me all the time because i was practicing on like moving subjects and you know things like that which was so fun so fun but you're mixing hobbies yeah did you find that you met the horse's expectations at the end <laughs> oftentimes no did you communicate with the whole oh. stakeholder no yeah. pistol yeah. pistol <laughs> pistol was um there were a lot of times where i gave horses mixed cues i don't if there's any parents listening to this man and your kids have a hard time understanding like cues like per- personal cues you know i'm telling you get them into horseback riding because it has like worked wonders wonders for my 7 year old but anyways, yeah, no, sometimes I w- I'd always do the wrong thing. And the horse was like, what the fuck, Haley? Second time. Uh, second time of the of the podcast. <laughs> second F-bomb. Both go to Haley second F-bomb, you know, but then it like you get it. It's this immediate feedback, which I really like as a former athlete. I really like immediate feedback. So you're like, oh, no, that was wrong. OK, sorry. <laughs> won't do that again. <laughs> well, my thing I learned the hard way had nothing to do with horses, unfortunately. Oh, but. Mine was my, my YouTube channel is in a really interesting stage of growth right now in that it is not growing as much. This is the been my slowest year of growth on my YouTube channel for the past like three or four years or something. And so I think I'm in a place where we're like the content that I was making didn't match up with what my audience wanted to see. 
all the time, mm. you know, like maybe I did for a small segment, but not in general. But I've been really looking at that and like trying to see and analyze more this year what videos are actually getting views, what are people actually interested in seeing and just like paying more attention to that than I have in the past. Because um, I don't want to be spending my time making something if people aren't interested in watching it, right? I'm at that point where I'm like, the reason I make a video is not because I genuinely want to make a video, it's because I want to connect with the people on the other end. That's the important part to me. So I want to make sure that what I'm making is, is connecting, you know. What I've learned is that my audience really likes vlogs most of, which makes sense. Like that's what I like watching as well, uh, where it's like a little less prepared and more like seeing more of my day in my life. Um, and also I've been surprised to learn how popular streams are on my YouTube channel, which has been fun because that's where I just stream as I work and let people see my Figma file and watch me work. It's wild, y'all, because there'd be a video that I would script and film and like pay someone to edit and then pay someone else to like do the content management to upload it, make the thumbnail, whatever. That would get like maybe 2000 views in a week. And then I would do a stream where I'm just like letting people watch as I work for two hours. And that like blows straight past it, gets like four times the views within the time and had like way less effort put into it. So I'm like, well, I feel like I'm learning here where I should be putting my effort and it is not into these prepared videos as much. <laughs> Don't you love that? It's quite the... I both love and hate it because at the same yeah. time, like, part of me is like, like this content's really good. Why aren't you watching it? Actually, but <laughs> this is exactly the conversation that Nathan just had about the Twitter, the Twitter posts. What Twitter post? So Nathan posted, I think he might've posted it on his newsletter. He had, he had formulated this uh, Twitter thread that he was mm -hmm. starting about uh, X. I don't remember what it was. And he was really hoping that it was going to do. He's like, I spent two hours on it, blah, blah, blah. Right. And he's, you know, going on and talking about this and it got like zero traction. And then he posts just a random comment, like a super random comment. I'm doing a terrible job of retelling the story, but he, then he, he posts just a single random comment on on Twitter and it has something like 50,000 views or 50,000 likes, reshares, like, whatever. I think that's the hard part about being a creator is that you got to roll with those like digital punches in a way and realize that yeah. the effort you put into making something doesn't always pay off at the end. Like yeah. hopefully over time, I feel like it evens out, but on an individual content basis, not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shall we go into a few more things that um, our listeners have said? Or Miguel, there was something you were going to say before I interrupted to talk well, about content. No, I wanted to talk something that Alejandro brought up, which I thought was uh, a really good point to, to talk about, which is it's hard to not make our identity directly tied to what we do. And it's a really hard thing to overcome mentally. Oh, yeah. And that is something that um, I've actually found it really interesting because at least in American culture, I can't speak to other ones, but I know very much in, in our culture, when you meet someone new, one of like the first three questions that someone asks you or you ask is, what do you do? Oh, yeah. Yep. It's like, what's what's your name? Where are you from? What do you do? Like it, it's it's that's how someone like feels like the, that's like the the question that feels like they get to categorize you as a person almost the gateway to getting to know you. Right, exactly. And um, I've, I've read some stuff for other cultures like. Uh, I might be misremembering, but uh, I think in like maybe Japan or or s something like that, where it's actually considered very rude to ask somebody what they do. Hmm. Like it's like a faux pas because in the culture, it is seen as like secondary as what you do 
because people don't want to be like pigeonholed or be like kind of typecast as like, oh, you're a woodworker. Oh, you're a automobile uh, technician or whatever it is. Like that's because at the end of the day, it's like reductive to them to be like, mm. that's what I am. And that's like, that's not what I am. That's what I do to provide for me and my family. So so it just they, that's considered a rude question, which I always thought was an interesting thing, because on some level, I kind of agree with that. Because it can be really reductive to be like, mm. oh, uh, you know, I work for an email marketing company and that's what I do. It's like, I love my job and I like getting up and doing it every day, but I don't think of myself as an employee in an email marketing company. That's like, that's not what my inner light shows me. Does your inner light show you you're a woodworker though? Uh, mm, sometimes, yeah, yeah, it can. Because I was going to say like designer would be the first thing that I would use to describe myself. And maybe I have an unhealthy attachment to that as an identity. And it's probably something I should talk to a therapist about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You know what's crazy? You guys are talking about this. I'm, I've am i been sitting here thinking, what is my identity, right? Like, what would I wrap myself up in a nice little bow and and say? And I think that it's funny because most of my career I spent in like the business development side of things, yeah. sales and business development, right? And now I'm in this creative function, which is far more true to my, my probably my personal self, right? Things that I, I really like. But I'm like, what would I call myself? You know, like if my title, I think my title, technical title is brand specialist. I'm like, I'm a brand specialist. Uh, I'm a, a producer of content. I'm a creator. I don't know. I'm a mom. I honestly am like, as I'm sitting here, I'm a very, I, for the most part, I'm a pretty confident person in like who I am. Uh, <laughs> You're too many things, Haley. You contain multitudes. I know, but what would I, what would I say? I really don't know the answer to that. Well, that's why I think it's so important to, that's why I think it's such a good point that there are cultures out there that find it very reductive to be yeah. called one thing because we're so many things yeah. to so many different people, you know, to kind of like typecast somebody as like what they do for a living and how they put a roof over their heads is like, yeah, that's a part of it. But I mean, that's certainly not who I am. So yeah, yeah it's really important to take it back to what Alejandro said is like to overcome mentally the idea that our identity isn't directly tied to what we do. Mm, yeah. You know, especially people who have a good paying job that they hate, they definitely don't want to be called that thing. But for whatever reason that they have, they have a job that, you know, provides for their family and they tough through it because they have to or because they, you know, they see it as the best option for them and their family. And that's totally valid, too. But maybe they don't want to be called that thing because they hate it. Riley says creative identity is a constant courtier crisis. <laughs> Something always new <laughs> happening while wanting to hold on to the old. I feel you on that completely, Riley. Should we Amen. go into a few of the other things that our listeners have learned this year? Yeah. Kurt says in 2021, learned the potential upside for diversifying income streams can be better than just focusing on one stream. Yep. I hear you on this. Every year I put together an income report of like my side hustle and work income for the year. And it always surprises me how much I've earned from my side hustles because I don't see it as a large sum of money because it's just coming in and all these like little drips and drabs, you know, like hundred dollars <laughs> for my font per month. Oh, there's like 200 from Patreon, whatever, but it all like adds up in the end. So yeah, lots of potential in diversifying. Laura says, I learned of sharing my artwork, which is scary and seeing that people really like it and I can make it as a side hustle and it is important to not be afraid. That is the first that. thing that creators have to get over, right? Is the, the fear of sharing their work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the last thing you want to do is 
feel that rejection. You know, you're all, there's a lot writing on, on what you produce because it's a big investment on your part emotionally, physically. Mm -hmm. And then if people, I always feel so bad if I'm like at the farmer's market or like an art fair, I was at one not too long ago and uh, you're walking by and there are certain booths that they're just like packed with people. And then like, they're just like making sales and the booth next to them is just somebody standing next to their art with their hands folded in front of them. And like people are just walking by and walking by and the booth next to them, people are like, can't, can't take their money out fast enough. And I'm just like, oh my God, like I just like die a little inside because like, this person just I always like, end up buying something. <laughs> Yeah, the amount of effort that it must have taken because yeah. like, you know, they have their tent, they have their banner, I mean, they invested in this thing. Yeah. And they have beautiful art, but I mean, maybe I'm not there to buy art that day or whatever yeah, exactly. it is. Yeah, exactly, that's the thing. Like, Could just be the wrong crowd. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it just breaks my heart because I'm just like, God, every second that goes by must just be like nails on a chalkboard to this person. They're just like, please, somebody, you know? Yeah, but they did it, right? They showed up and they embraced that fear yeah. and they were there anyway. Yeah. But that's that's the beauty of art, right? Is that it's subjective. Yeah. Like you're just, you know, that's that's one of the things that I love so much about about music. Obviously, I, I work in that space a lot right now. So, you know, here's a great example. It was like um Nathan, our CEO. I've now referenced him like four times on this podcast. Uh Nathan <laughs> it's like is our CEO. Yeah. <laughs> uh Nathan said in a meeting he he referenced an artist that we've had on Creator Sessions in the past, Matt Carney, uh, and uh, as someone that he wanted to maybe book for our live event that we're hosting. We're hosting Craft and Commerce. I think that's announced. Yes, uh -oh. the conference itself okay. is, but it is not, not anyone playing at it. it so is um, <laughs> oh yeah. So, anyways, but he referenced a, a, an artist that he he wanted to have uh, maybe potentially play live and CT um, our our VP VP CT. Uh, he was like, well, I didn't know who that was before. You know, he he liked him after he listened to him, but it's just so subjective. It's like everybody has different taste. Everybody. You know, it's mm -hmm. you can. Yeah, none of you all heard of the music that I listen to. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. I went through a phase in high school of really high pitched punk people. Okay, oh, fine. Yes. Maybe Miguel's heard of some of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, starting line and all that. Yeah, I, I yeah. want to want us to wrap up the show by talking about the energy that we want to take into 2022. Like, I'm sure we're going to mm -hmm. take in some of these lessons of things we learned through 2021. But how are you both feeling as creators approaching the new year? I got this email very recently. I, I shared it with the team. I got this email. I need to uh, email him back. Um, I got this email from a customer. His name is Pat. And he's someone that's been like really encouraging to me over the course of this creator sessions journey that I've been on, he's unprompted emailed me several times and, and we've corresponded, um, corresponded quite a bit, but he sent this really, really genuine, um, and sweet email. And the, the subject line was keep sowing positive seeds. You're doing good work. Hmm. And, um, I won't go into reading the entire thing, but basically it was, it was just an email encouraging me that my work matters and that it's encouraging other artists and creators. And that tied a nice little bow on the end of 2021 for me. And it just reminded me that like the work that I do matters and the lessons and the things Things I, what I'm trying to do with creator sessions, right, is bring creators that have made it, whether they're musicians or filmmakers or photographers or whatever, and have have them influence the future creators right out there. Like that's really what creator sessions is about. There's a bit of performing in there, you know, but that's really not what the magic is about. And 
Pat just really encouraged me uh, with that email. It was really, it was just really sweet. He signed off. He lives in Oregon. I thought this was funny. He signed off at Boring, Oregon. (laughs) Is that that a town in in Oregon or something? No, I think he was saying like Boring, Oregon, like boring. It's boring here. It was fun. It was just funny. I just thought it was funny. But uh, anyways, that really doesn't add to the story. But he's just a really nice guy. And um, like I said, he really encouraged me. So that, that kind of gave me this push to go into 2022, knowing still that my work matters, even though creator sessions, isn't this new shiny thing anymore. Hmm. Um, and that I have to, cause in the beginning, when we first launched creator sessions, right, it was, everybody was so jazzed about it. Uh, we would get these big artists on there and everyone was so excited and the whole entire team would tune in every week. And it was really fun. And we were, you know, we were just jazzed about it. It was the new shiny thing. Um, and now we've kind of settled into this place where it's consistent content, which is what we want to be doing. Right. And it's, it's great, but there are moments definitely where I'm like, is it as cool as it once was? Like, I don't know. Do I just think it's still cool? You know, cause I'm still having these wonderful, wonderful experiences getting to meet these artists, but it's not the same when you're not there. And, uh, he just, he reminded me that my work really matters and, yeah. um, and it matters for our community. And I, I really appreciated that. So yeah, that's the hardest thing as a creator is sticking with it, right? After yeah, it's not yeah. new anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that uh, to answer the question specifically, the energy that I'm bringing into 2022 is just reinvigorated. I don't Ooh, know. I like that word. Yeah. Uh, because I just, I feel really good about the direction of where we're going. Um, and I feel really good about the content that I'm creating. And I, I know that it matters. Uh, also, I have a um, breaking news. Oh, boring for you, is a city, boring is a city in Oregon. Oh my gosh, I th- I thought he was being so funny. Um, I thought he lived in Baker City, so I don't know. Hilarious. Whatever. I, I screwed that up. Sorry, Mate, Pat. There's something else you learned. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Miguel, what about you? What energy are you taking into 2022? So I think if I so if your word is reinvigorated, Haley, I think my word is going to be purposeful. Mm. I'm always kind of really eager to produce results and, and get stuff done. And the downside of that is that I'm always heads down looking at one thing very myopically. And I really want to kind of just like stop doing that so much and stop trying to get those quick wins because ultimately I think I could make more impactful choices if I were to like just stop for a second, zoom out and sort of like map my map my road a little bit better. I'm not saying try to figure out everything that's going to happen, but like kind of create some North Star things to look at whenever I need to kind of like readjust my focus and just to make sure that I haven't like gone down a rabbit hole or lost sight of the thing that I'm actually trying to do Hmm. with like that small problem that's like very, very specific today. That's the energy that I'm going uh, going with for 2020. What is it going to be? What what year is it now? 2022? It's going to be 2022. Yeah. Yeah. What what is time? (laughs) I struggle with that too, Miguel. I think I want to bring in fun as the energy for 2022. Mm. Like I don't, I want to enjoy, especially the stuff that I do on the side, right? Because it is my choice. And so why would I spend my time doing something that I'm not like truly loving, you know? And so I want to, I want that to feed into the choices that I make. And I also like right now, I just feel this momentum. I feel a lot of momentum going into the new year that I want to continue with and keep rolling with. Because I feel like what I've been creating over the past like eight years of making YouTube videos is a bunch of different stuff. And I really want to start to tie it all together and to be like known for this one thing of marketing design and start like 
this is going to sound cheesy, but like building out my empire in that way. So Mm. that is the energy that I'm bringing into 2022. I love that. Yeah. This was a very fun episode. I really enjoy um, these sort of recap kind of conversations. Uh, I think reflection, most most people in this this industry as creators really look at reflection as a, as a necessary step in being a creator. Um, it's one of the things that I really value about this community, the creator economy. I definitely don't think that it's something that you see as often in the nine to five world. Yeah. You know, um, I, I certainly know for my husband's job, he's not quite nine to five, but he does not work in the creative field. He doesn't like reflect back on 2021 from his job perspective and be like, well, how can I do this better? Um, he should but he doesn't. Uh, so all that to say, I, I love, I've loved this conversation. Um, and I'm very excited for what next year has to offer. Yeah. We are going to be taking a break from now until the new year. So this has been your last Future Bonus Creators for 2021. Thanks for joining us, especially all of our wonderful people who join in the chat. And, you know, especially today have shared the things that you've learned and are taking into 2022. We appreciate you and we hope we'll see you back here in the new year for our new format show. We're yeah. going to get a little more structure in place and we're going to keep leveling up the quality for you. And yeah, I'm excited to have you all back next year. Thanks for today, Ooh-hoo. you two. Have a good rest of your day, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com slash free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.